0: Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports. And get ready for some comics talk as we're going to be talking Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, a movie I pretty well enjoyed and was the first movie I went to go see in the theaters in the post-COVID era. So that was uh, very exciting. Joining me today to talk Shang-Chi is uh, Kevin Miller. How are you, Kev?
1: Uh, not too bad. Uh, I was also my first movie since Birds of Prey in early uh, 2020, so it was uh, a treat just to be in a
0: theater again. Yeah, same for me. Birds of Prey as well, which I think was like first second week of February 2020, right? Uh, I was going to say
1: mid February. Yeah, yeah, about
0: a month before the world uh, spiraled into chaos there, and uh, we're still attempting to recover from from said spiral. But uh, here we are, talking Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Last time we had you on, I believe you and I were talking Black Widow, a movie that we were uh, none too pleased about, quite frankly. thought that movie had a a lot of third act problems. I'll uh, start by saying, spoiler alert on Shang-Chi, if you have not seen it yet, and judging by the amount of money it made over the weekend, you probably have seen it already, but we are about to talk about all of the ins and outs of, of Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Let's start off by asking you, Kevin, how do you feel about just overall thoughts on, on Shang-Chi? Did you enjoy it? Uh, what's your take on it?
1: Uh, I very much enjoyed it overall. Um, I think that, uh, like a lot of Marvel movies, it has some final act problems, but, uh, everything leading up to that was just beautiful to see. Um, happy to see it on a big screen again, as mentioned, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, without talking too much about the movie specifically, it's just great to watch that MCU movie in the theaters again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was great. And this movie definitely, uh, I think, would have would have been better because I, I still don't know quite the reasons why uh, they didn't put this on Premiere Access because if they did, I definitely would have coughed up the 30 bucks for to uh, get it on Premiere Access as opposed to going to see it in the theaters. But uh, uh, did you have to wear a mask the entire time when you were in the in theater for at
1: uh, our theater it was basically um you have the assigned seating they have like half capacity so assigned seatings are like two seats at a time spaced at least two seats apart and you have to have a mask on until you sit down basically because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at that point you're distanced you know at least six to eight feet away from anyone else who's in the theater with you so you know mask on go out get up and go to the washroom or the concession come back sit down mask off that sort of idea
0: yeah, I, I wore mine the entire time only because I wasn't sure if, like, I, I. It seemed like it said mask mandatory the entire time I was in. I mean, maybe I could have taken it off. I wasn't sitting near anybody, but I just decided, hey, you know what? You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna leave it on just to yeah, not, err on the side of caution. I'm gonna err on the side of caution on this one. So, but I, I, I didn't. It didn't bother me, and and it, is, it is what it is. Um, let's talk about what we. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but let's let's talk about what we didn't like because I have a feeling that what we liked is going to far outweigh what we didn't like. Because I I truly only have one problem, and it's it's not a mountain out of a molehill. I think it's just like you know like a a, a tepid speed bump of of a hill, I guess. Yep. But I I. <sighs> The, 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 this movie is kind of two movies, similar to how um, the the very first Suicide Squad is, and I keep you know I keep referencing that movie and how it was it, it was two movies of how there's a, a distinct moment in that movie where everything kind of goes wrong, and everything doesn't kind of go wrong with the weird like I don't want to use the word M Night Shyamalan twist, but it's it's more of a left turn because the first half of this movie is very much a boots on the ground homage to like Kung Fu cinema and, and Chinese culture and, and whatnot. And then it takes a, a hard pivot uh, through a magical forest much, like you know, through a magical forest into being a MCU movie set in, you know, into being a, a, a mythical kind of, Chinese no longer boots on the ground dragon cgi fight which i kind of i be to be honest i wasn't digging on I, I love the 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 color and the cinematography and the look of uh, the city of uh, what was it tai Lao or Tao Tao, Tao Talo, thank you. We're, I'm going to be mispronouncing everything this yeah, podcast. Just a so heads
1: up, um, I, I'm not great at pronouncing a lot of these words. Uh, yeah. Two white guys on this podcast. So we're going to do our best.
0: <laughs> yeah, we will do our best. You thought the you, you thought I had it wrong on the Black Panther podcast. I at least knew that it was Shang Chi. I was I was mum on a lot of the African pronunciations, having read most of the Black Panther comic books throughout the years. But uh, uh, you know, here I am again. Yeah, two two white guys with. Uh, you know no ref no frame of reference whatsoever but i mean i i liked it i but i did not like cuz i thought the first half of the movie and 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 now i didn't think that this this movie has third act problems but not in the same way that black widow did where the third act problems were so abhorrent in black widow that it ruined the entire fucking movie for me this movie it was more of a like eh, i would have slightly preferred something else but i still enjoyed it i just thought the stuff with Simu, uh, with, uh, Simi Lu and, uh, Tony Luang, who was so fucking good in this movie. Easily the oh, best part of this way. movie. He was so fucking good in this movie. Oh, and, in and, a way. Oh, God. Again, Marvel, why are you killing off these amazing. Performances. And I mean, even calling this guy a villain is not really doing justice to this performance, right? Like, just putting him in that villain category. Why are you just dropping Michael B. Jordan and Tony Luang? Like, why are you doing this? It's just, it's beyond me for these. For these. Ah, there's ways to fix it. But, like, anyway, I I preferred the stuff that was going on with those two and the chemistry that they had as father and son characters as opposed to a CGI dragon and a CGI monster at the end, one of the fear Lords showing up and we're just kind of punching each other at the end. And I was just kind of like, eh, yeah. I had this single issue with this movie
1: as well. And you've hit the nail on the head. It's exactly that. There is so much, uh, it's, it's hard to even talk about the bad stuff in this movie without using the amazing stuff as a reference. And you hit the nail on the head where, you know Tony Luang um, and uh, Liu, um, They uh, have such a great chemistry, and there is so much done in the in the first like two thirds of this movie that is just a facial expression that you you get volumes from it, and it's all put on the back burner in the third act for a massive CG dragon fight that you know was barely foreshadowed and not super needed in my opinion. Like if there were Mm -hmm. dragons fighting fine, maybe have that in the background and focus more on like, you know, the, the one-on-one Kung Fu fight between father and son, uh, in the finale. Um, because there is, uh, just so much that kind of happens in the middle of a fight scene or over the course of a fight scene. Um, the, the flashback fight scene between, uh, yeah, Wenwu and, uh, uh, Shang-Chi's mother, uh, that Wushu fight in the forest was beautiful it turns into like a dance scene almost and then mm-hmm. you can see them like falling in love over the course of it despite the fact that there's no dialogue given at all like that's amazing um, even the fight scene with Shang-Chi on the bus um, which uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but think of the uh, the Seinfeld episode where Kramer is describing a mugger <laughs> on the bus and he's like, no, yeah. I'm driving the bus <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, but even that is like, uh, like okay, clearly there's, you know, unsaid things here because everything leading up to this point is like, here's this dude who's this, uh, underachiever, um, you know, hotel, uh, valet, key and peel, uh, karaoke singer, um. Michelle you know, Pfeiffer! <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> uh, but, uh. Like, here's this total underachieving guy, and you know that the movie's going to be about him because his name is on the, you know, the headline and he's on the poster, but, you know, he breaks out these unforeseen fighting techniques in the middle of this bus scene, and you're like, whoa, what the hell's happening? Is he aware of his epic destiny? Like, it, there's there's plot given in the middle of these fight scenes. It's it's that old D&D trick that we love so much, which is, you know, you can RP even in the middle of combat, Um and a lot of the fight scenes like that are, are have that um, exposition in them in a way that I feel is probably very reminiscent of like your your '70s uh, kung fu movies. Uh, and, and to have that kind of put on the back burner for CGI dragon fight in the final uh, fight is it just seemed like a again it wasn't terrible it was just sort of a disappointment because everything up to that point was so cool. <laughs>
0: yeah I, and, and a lot of people seem to have this uh, problem and it just seems to be yeah, I, I don't understand why they went away from from the, the the just amazing chemistry that they had with the in favor of um, CGI fight, which I'll, I will say. Looked gorgeous. Because a lot of the times when they do those CGI dragon fights, yeah or when they do those CGI monster fights, you end up with, you know, the Transformers type of stuff where you're like, what the hell is happening yeah. on the screen it's right now? Or
1: cluster. Yeah. Or
0: or or same with uh the first Venom movie, which I enjoyed, but the the when the when the two monster when the two uh, symbiotes are fighting each other at the end, it's just two like blobs fighting each other, and you're just kind of like, well, I'll just wait for them to tell me who wins. This one actually was <laughs> like, Chinese okay, yeah, you're like, okay, I can actually see what's going on in this fight between the cool dragon and the dweller in the darkness. Again, one of the fear lords, but I just, I, I just did not want that, <laughs> right, like, I just, yeah, I, I, I wanted, good. I wanted more Shang-Chi versus, uh, Wu because that, like, god, they were just so good, I, yeah, I,
1: like, give, give, give Tony Lewang more screen time, please, like, I mean, that's, that's really what it is for me, like, the, the, every moment, the way that they show and didn't tell so much, like, the, the beginning opens with a bit of a monologue, you know, legend says of the Mandarin who will rise every, you know, lives for a thousand years, and you know, they, But they never are like, here's the Ten Rings, here's what they do, here's how you control them. Like, there's never a, a scene like that, mm-hmm. so you're just left to sort of understand by the uh, exposition that they do give. Um, and, and the fight scenes that they have, Like, here's the many, many ways in which they can be used, and that's why that makes him so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, just an amazing representation of that character, <laughs> so uh, very much appreciated that. Uh, definitely the highlight of the movie for me
0: yeah like because the 10 rings in the comic books the kind of they they work similar to the way the infinity stones work uh in the comic books so they're i always kind of thought thought of them as a way that like the writers who weren't allowed to write the infinity stones they were like all right well i'll write the friggin 10 rings then because they like i want to do something with that but apparently i'm not being i'm not high enough on the totem pole to write the infinity stone. So here we are. I'll write the 10 Rings. So I was interested to see how they did that because the 10 ring, because there's no way you can have the 10 rings do all the crazy stuff that the, uh, you know, like the, or or have all the varying properties that the Infinity Stones did because we just got done with the Infinity Stones. They made a very big point in the Loki television series of being like, okay, the Infinity Stones are nothing now. We're moving on from this. Here's the you know indication of that. And in Remember
1: this I, twenty movies, garbage. We're moving on.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and he, and here we are with with this one. And I like the fact that they set it up where it was basically a weapon that Kratos might get in God of War. Right. Like it was it was basically something like Kratos might. Use used to punch Zeus in the face and I was like I am digging this I am very much liking the way they are portraying the use of these of these rings it uh, reminded me uh, a lot of Kung Fu Hustle which there was a Kung Fu Hustle poster in this movie uh, right to go that. <laughs> yeah to go along with a Warriors poster and a Outcast Stank On ya poster so that was uh, that, that was excellent selection by the uh, prop department in that with those three posters very yeah,
1: great 100% of a show don't tell like, you know exactly who this guy is yeah <laughs> (laughs)
0: Absolutely. But I I, I have to just to go back to Tony Leung as Wenwu, the best fucking scene in this movie for me, bar none, was the flashback sequence when he, um, you know, after the, the wife character is killed. And he's like, Well, oh I can't exactly
1: right. He's oh like, God. I can't How did we have the same scene. Perfect. Yeah, he, he's
0: like, I can't. He was like, I, I can't go because it's such a fucking amazing performance with and it and it's all in his face, right? And he basically says, I thought I could be good, but I can't. I never should have taken the rings off. And he goes back, and just the way they frame him walking in, holding the you know, the young kid's hand, because his kid was about like five at that point, right? So that and the performance yeah. by the child in that scene is phenomenal too. But like him just walking in, silence with the sleeves rolled up up in the suit and then he yep. just walks in there starts kicking everybody's ass in the gangster house and then turns to his son and he's like are you gonna help me do this and the son you're know, like not like the best fucking scene in that movie
1: and, yeah, and, and a lot of that a lot oh. of that is shown sort of indirectly and you see like the kid reacting against the wall of like dingy mirrors and yes. you can kind of see the fight scene happening in the reflection and you know the guy flies across the room and shatters the mirrors and so on and then he just like you know pounds him into the ground with a, like a point blank shotgun blast from these five rings. <laughs> it's like holy shit, dude! It's cold as ice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so fucking good. Yeah, that that was that was for for my money the best scene in the movie. Just absolutely. Mm-hmm. So good. Um let's talk about uh some of the performances in this movie. We already talked about Tony Leung Young as as Wen Wu, we never should have killed him. The scene with him at the dinner table and everybody else as well when he brought them all back and it's just and I I was trying Very to figure Darth out Vader. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. God, he was I I don't, for the life of me, I could not figure out why they they killed him off. It was
1: ah, was so dumb, he was so good. Kind of a quick aside question for you now, because we're deep in the middle of some other MCU, but Mm -hmm. what are the odds that we get a uh, Shang-Chi what-if episode this
0: Maybe, yeah, I I, I don't think so. I think they have that, there's no way they would have had that lined up. Um, Ah. Did... I, I think that's asking a bit much. Plus, I think they're, they're going for it in the last two episodes of What If, and we'll get to that on a later podcast in a couple of yes, weeks. We will. Um, let's talk about Simulu. Good Canadian boy. Uh, rose to fame up here on a show called Kim's Convenience on CBC. Did you ever watch Kim's Convenience, Kevin?
1: It, it's on the sort of back burner list of shows to watch, and I feel like it might have jumped to the top of the list following uh, his performance
0: in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm. I think I'm going to give it a shot too. Um, for those of you who don't know, because I know we got a few American listeners out there, um, Kim's Convenience is a show that originated on the Canadian Broadcasting Company, or the CBC up here. The CBC is a thing that has been mu- is a network that is a little bit maligned up here in Canada because. We are forced to pay for it with our tax money, and they turn around and use said tax money for many, many, many years to make just horrible television, absolutely horrible television. But in the past few years, they have created some shows that I immediately kind of – like two very specific shows – um, that I immediately dismissed as being like, oh, God, this is just going to be more CBC garbage. Yeah, and here we go, here yeah. we go again. Here we go again. This is more of my tax money getting flushed down the toilet. But um, I have been dead wrong. The first said show uh, is Shits Creek, which just say, ended. Shits Creek is the big
1: flagpole that's getting a lot of uh, recognition <laughs> yeah. internationally now. It started like seven years ago, I want to say, and I thought it was going to be Corner Gas too.
0: Yeah, Corner yeah. Gas show. Cause, yeah, because that was one was Corner Gas, was one that was pushed on us for a long time, where it's like, Corner Gas is not good. And I'm just because you talk in a Canadian accent and, uh, you know, it takes place in like a fictional Canadian city, uh, does not make it a good show, right? Like, like it, that was a bad, bad show. But, uh, you know, we're, we're doing some things on Canadian television, like Letter Kenny, which is not a CBC show, is, is very good and is getting a spin off. But the other show that CBC had that, uh, like,. Shits Creek is the big tent pole. And the other one is Kim's Convenience. And Kim's Convenience again, same thing. I did the same thing with Shits Creek, where I'm just like, oh God, this looks like a just kind of a terrible show. And uh, so I immediately dismissed it based on the fact that it was C B C flushing more like thinking it was C B C flushing more of my money down the toilet. But uh, apparently it's damn good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna deign to check out uh, Kim's convenience. But uh, I, I was I've always been a big Simulu fan based on his performance on Twitter. He is a social media <laughs> genius right now. He is taking cracks at everybody and doing it in the the quote unquote right way without you know just hosing people on Twitter. He's extremely polite about it but while standing his ground at the same time. And this man is just winning on and off the screen so much. Could not be prouder of uh, the good Canadian boy that is Simulo. Yep. And he was freaking fantastic in this. And also kudos to him for showing up with an attainable body. In this movie, quite frankly, like just, you know, put in a he, uh, you could tell he put in a lot of resistance band work and martial arts and stuff like that, but didn't show up looking like a juice pig like a lot of these movies where I'm just oh. like, come on, like, come on now, I can't, I can't reach that. But like, the band looked great, was so good. The fight scenes looked phenomenal, they were choreographed. He didn't like, especially coming off of uh, like the MCU, the quote unquote MCU's technical last attempt at doing Kung Fu with the Iron Fist show, which. My God, <laughs> <laughs> it was just absolutely night and day. He was so good in this movie. He had tremendous chemistry. We, we already mentioned with Tony Leung um, in the com- in the comedy scenes with him and Aquafina, who. I was I unf- talk with her too. Yeah, she. Yeah, right, we're definitely we're gonna get to her next. Who I was unfamiliar with. I, I knew that she was like a rapstress, but uh, it just didn't check out her stuff because I don't think uh, uh, I'm. I'm definitely not the target audience for Aquafina for sure. Uh, in terms of her music, I don't think anyway. But. Uh, She's got um, some
1: bobs, I'll say that. I'm not. Does terribly she? Terribly familiar, but
0: You'll yeah. have to send me a couple because I don't. I, I I haven't heard any of them. Of course, I'm not young, hip, and edgy anymore. So I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> no. You're 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 young, hip, and edgy, and I'm I'm not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and blame that for me not I'm having not heard any of them. Her i get all my music from Jenny. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the chemistry between those two and the comedy scenes, and he was able to do the he was able to do the the. You know, the tough stuff, like when they were on the plane and when they had to sit down when he said when he admitted that he's like, No, I I lied to you earlier when I said I didn't wasn't able to kill that guy. I was very much able to kill the guy who (laughs) murdered my mom. He's like, I definitely killed that dude. He he was so good at at walking the line. He he had this he had this this just Strength, but also this vulnerability throughout his performance. In it was so good. I, I confidence I, I, and comedy and pathos. Yes, and 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 the fact that they were able to. And he, like, he looks so good in the shang in the, the. Sorry, I almost fell. I effed it up there. The shang chi like red like outfit but where they said it was made of dragon scales in this one dragon which I armor. dug and I was just like, Oh, it's a full D we're a full D and D now, boys. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just like, oh it, it just ran some fire resistance, I bet. <laughs> yeah. God damn, he, he he was good. Where 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 were you on Simulu in this one?
1: Uh, loved him. Um, right from the get go when we are into full on, uh, comedy mode. Um, one of the great edits in this movie, if I can call it one, one specific edit. It is, uh, the scene at the beginning where, uh, Aquafina and, uh, Similu are doing karaoke. <laughs> um, and they're doing the, uh, Aerosmith, you know, don't want to close my eyes, don't want to, and it cut to them being asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, genius, give this man the $10,000. <laughs> and
0: what was with, what was with the MCU for a second year, or a second movie in a row, just hitching their wagon to an absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely god awful slice of a Maracana song. Like, God, I hate the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> like, oh
1: man, so if, if there's a uh, if there's a "Don't Stop Believing" in the Eternals, then uh, <laughs> the truth yeah, will be. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. That's all we need is for the Eternals to just, for whatever reason, be singing "Don't Stop Believing" on a, on a on an on an infinite loop. God damn it. Yeah, he he. Yeah, Simulu. Great. Just an absolutely tremendous performance. So glad he's part of the MCU now. Can't wait for this to take off. Hopefully he gets more Um I want more movies. Uh where do you have this one in um uh, 'cause this is technically an origin film. And I'm I'm I think we're I think I'm kinda done with trying to rank the, the overall rankings. <laughs> yeah, doing I'm I'm just flat out done with it. I just I come out of a movie and I go, uh, like yeah, that was probably like this one was thumbs probably thumbs down. yeah. I just come up thumbs up, thumbs down, or whatever. And th- this was a, a a enthusiastic thumbs up with, with with a you know trepidation about that third act. But uh, like overall, they got this so right with just and, and fixing a lot of the the wrongs in the the comic book past that is Shang Chi, like changing like like they they the, the the dinner scene fixing the the mistake they made with the way they did the Mandarin in. Iron Man three, which Iron Man three is is ha, is and always has been a piece of crap. I don't understand this this weird like revisionist history that some people on the comic book Twitter sphere and seem to be talking about like, going to bat for. No, Iron Man three is like a top five movie or whatever, and it's so good in the forms of it. again. It's like no, Iron Man three is hot garbage, and it's best that we ignore I, I, it. I
1: don't hate Iron Man three, but I would never claim
0: that it's top five. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I was probably exaggerating a little bit with the top five claim, but there are people who are trying to convince me that it's a good movie, but it, it is so boring. It is so boring. And even the third act when stuff is happening, it's just like, uh, but... And like, here is how it's bad. Is the fact here is how you know it's bad? They had to. They they've made the one and only Marvel one shot. I'll hail the king to erase what what they had done in that movie, and then they went and they they did it again in like two like double time in this movie because they had the great scene where Wenwu is sitting there, you know, just destroying the character and its racist history at the table so that was just so well done where he was talking about how like you know they named their character after a tick- chicken dish and at they orange,
1: were just yeah. <laughs> no.
0: yeah and they were just taking away the the negativity and the stigma away from that old mandarin yep. yeah just distro- just taking that that old like racist you know, Asian fear panic character that was created in the 60s and 70s and just grinding it into dust all at the same time while he is portraying the infinitely better version of a perhaps even more racist character (laughs) that he was supposed to be, which Uh, is... Fu Manchu. Yeah, Shang-Chi's dad, Fu Manchu, right? (laughs) Which was the exact same lane that, the name tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the exact same lane that the Mandarin was in with the with that 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 Asian fear panic from the 60s and the 70s and and just, you know, the just the 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 mystical Asian dude who's come over from the east in order to to destroy western customs and whatnot and it's just like blah, you know, all that stuff that makes you want to throw <laughs> right, up cool, these days. Yeah. They and they um, were able to just destroy all of that crap in like one single sentence. It was just kudos to whoever wrote that line of dialogue that was that was just so yeah. well done and took away the stigma of all that crap and they did a very good job because that was the biggest thing i had coming in because the two biggest questions i had coming into this one were um how are they going to navigate the problematic history of a lot of these characters and i thought they exceeded that in flying colors and the other one we already discussed which was i was wondering hey how are they going to portray the 10 rings in this movie and i very much am a fan of how they accomplished both
1: yeah definitely uh what i think this movie does uh very well is to uh, sort of provide a mcu reset on a lot of concepts that have not worked for them in the past uh the couple that we've mentioned being obviously the um you know trevor slattery mandarin who uh you know makes an appearance in this movie and probably overstays his welcome a little bit in my opinion but at least the movie doesn't focus on him so that's something um and it also sort of helps to sort of back up some of the um and i wonder if they'll get more into this some of the uh MCU Netflix uh, Iron Fist Lun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were going to a mystical realm and you know they they talked about it in that way and they were you know there was a dragon there as part of the legend. I'm like oh geez here we go is this gonna be all this again? You're gonna drag this back up? Is this where Danny Rand ended up to ended up where before he went to all those boardroom meetings? Like here we fucking go. God, what <laughs> And thankfully show. they didn't get into that. <laughs> but uh i I was you know concerned for a second so so it's helpful to know that you know um i I know that there have been some interviews mm-hmm. with like uh Kevin Feige, if I ever pronounce his name right, I will probably win a trophy or something I think um, that's it is that right okay, yeah, that's I think right. you got oh, it huh. I'll accept my trophy uh thank you um uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but i I know that there have been interviews with him saying that like when Tony Lewang came on set and he's like, you know this um. Eastern movie legend. I believe this is his first Hollywood movie, Um, and he came on basically to and set the record straight. He was like this living legend that left everyone speechless, and he helped with the process of starting to develop the Wenwu character. And I uh, tried to get around some of those stereotypes that have been so damaging in the past. Like, I, I think that he provided a lot of consultation on his own role, which just adds to the, you know, it's just the cherry on top of the Sunday of the amazing performance that he gave in this movie that I will never stop talking about. Uh, so it, it was very gratifying to see some of those missteps in the MCU up to this point. Uh, kind of course-corrected, and, and we were left with uh, the sort of ending of this movie and the, the post credit scenes that we'll get into, I'm sure, uh, that are going to show where it goes in the future, and uh, even some that have left me excited for what the Eternals might bring, uh, knowing very, very little about that property.
0: <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, that man is a legend in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> he absolutely is. Um, let's talk about Aquafina and her performance as Katie in this movie. Yes. Um, she is obviously supposed to be kind of the more relatable uh, audience conduit in this film. I again, like I like I mentioned earlier, I. I previously had no relation to Aquafina. I would say that the trailers didn't do this, it uh, didn't do how much she was going to be in the movie Justice because it definitely seemed like she was just going to be in the in the scene as like the That's bus the scene part. and was just going to be like the bus driver and that was all we were going to see her but no, she's in this damn movie and is in the MCU now for God's sake. Like like yep. she's in there. I thought I, again I went in there with no history with her. I, I, I only vaguely knew that she was a rapstress and uh, was was a semi was a like a very successful rapstress. But um, I thought she was incredible in this. I was digging the like San Francisco hipster outfit that they <laughs> were putting her in all the time. And uh, they even mentioned it when the when the sister was like, I like your pants and she was like, Thank you <laughs> and whatnot. But man, she she had a lot of heart and I, she was great at doing the comedy stuff. The hardest I laughed, even though I hate the song, was when she, in the middle of the the cool uh, fight on the the, the, the bamboo uh, scaffolding outside of the thing, which reminded me of uh, one of my favorite fight scenes. And it was very Rush Hour 2, that scene, um, which is oh, a great okay. movie, I, which is a super underrated movie, Rush Hour 2, even though it's a fucking Brett Ratner film. But it, it's an underrated movie. Um he like when she when the I think it was the death dealer was coming up to her with the mask and everything and she just started saying, you know, on a darkness and I was just like, okay, okay, you got me there. That was, you that, was them. that was good that was goddamn funny. She was so good. She even pulled off the you know, a lot of again the, the scene when when uh uh, when when he said I did kill that guy and I lied to you, it was just it was really good. The like her best moment though I thought was the conversation when uh, on the plane when he told him he changed his name to Sean and she was like you changed your name to Sean from Sean to Sean. <laughs> you were like you could have been anything. You. <laughs> you, yeah, how did they ever find you? And it was just like oh, because that, that was the thing that I was. Because the way they were pronouncing it at the end, I'm like, they are saying "shang," right? Like, because I, because I, for years I've been wondering is it pronounced "shang chi" or "shang chi," and I've been saying "shang chi" for years because I've been told by like people in the past that it's pronounced "shang chi," and then. I couldn't tell what they were saying at the beginning of the movie. And then they had that scene where it cleaned it up for me and, and, and my white dude ears, I guess. Right. Where I was just like, Oh, they were saying Sean. I'm just like, yep. Oh, I'm like, Oh, there it is. And that also led to the great scene that, that he had, um, she had with, at the dinner table with Tony, uh, Luang. God, was, I, can't, I keep coming back. That scene's so fucking good. But when he asked her, <laughs> what's your name? And she goes, Katie. And he goes, no, your real name. They're and yep. yeah. And it was just like, Oh,
1: yeah, just yeah. So so she's a hundred percent supposed to represent. Um, and I, I I apologize if I don't understand this concept super well. But uh, as a, again as a white man, I'm doing my best. Um, but she's supposed to represent basically this uh, Asian diaspora um, in America, where she clearly lives with at least three generations of family. She's got a mother, a brother, a grandmother that she lives with. And you know they wear slippers inside the house and not shoes. And uh, you see Sean at that point taking off his shoes to join them for breakfast uh they're having like noodles for breakfast and it's very clear that she's living in this multi-generational household um as someone who has different values and priorities than, say her mother or a grandmother that she lives with um and and i thought that that was very affecting scene um I, i expected to see those characters again but once we went overseas we never really came back so um you know Maybe in uh, another project that has uh Aquafina and uh, Simu Liu in it, uh, we might see those characters return maybe um, but I thought it was very effective um, and uh it it's uh, she's an actor I'm a little more familiar with uh, than you it seems um again I've, I've heard some of the musics uh they are they are catchy for sure um, but i she was I a rapper first like, though so, right yes.
0: And then, uh, yeah, but She's and...
1: done some like voice acting and stuff like that primarily. Like on, she was like mm-hmm. in the Angry Birds movie. Um, the, the one that I know, and uh, this might be something that you want to get into, Matt, uh, is uh, the Disney movie Raya and the Last Dragon.
0: I have not seen that yet.
1: I've been saving that like a fine wine. <laughs> uh, she voices the dragon Sisu. Um, oh, cool. Very cool, much cool, like cool. if you enjoy Moana, you will like that movie. It's, it's a lot.
0: There's a lot to enjoy. I do enjoy Moana. Um, it's, yes. i would
1: I would consider that movie to be like moana meets shang chi honestly it's kind of halfway between those it's very mm-hmm. uh, like chinese mythology meets disney animation
0: where did you stand on her character making the kill shot on the dweller in darkness one of the fear lords in this movie because i i as much as i love the character and her portrayal and i'm Excited to see her going forward in the MCU. I got to say, I was not a fan of that Um. as a device in the movie. It it didn't ruin it for me. It just gave me one of those kind of like, eh, eh. Because I just... If they didn't go out of their way to say that she only trained with the bow for like a day... Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's Hawkeye just like throat shooting one of the fear lords. <laughs> and I was just, I was <laughs> yeah, right. I was just kind of like, eh, I wish there would have been it's, it's, more it's development very, there. Right. Yeah. It's very movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was yeah, very, I mean, movie. yeah. I just wish that they just showed a couple shots of her with like, you know, really get, if they'd given me a couple more shots in the train, cause obviously there was a training montage in, in this one of them getting ready and her firing arrows, but they only showed her throwing shooting shoot a couple arrows. And even before they go to the fight, the guy's like, no, don't give her a bow. She's not ready yet. And then yeah. they're just like getting so overwhelmed that they're like, "We're getting overwhelmed. Give her a bow." But you know, yeah, I'll stay die. close to you. The yeah, <laughs> I'll stay close to you the entire time and don't die. But you're definitely not ready to make the 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 Hawkeye Green Arrow you know throat kill on one of the seven yeah. Fear Lords for God's sake.
1: See, and, and and this is where I, I think that I agree with you. Um, and my my message from earlier that I would have <laughs> preferred to see more of the actors, less of the CG. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, what I think might've worked better is if like, there was a sort of extended, maybe two, three minute scene, um, of like her trying to take the shot and missing. And then, you know, she's sort of buddy copping with the guy who was her trainer and Mm -hmm. they're defending each other against like the smaller demons. And then eventually like on her third try, she's able to get the shot off, but only after he sacrifices himself to protect her or something like that. You know, yeah, that would have been a bit more effective, I think. But um, it, you know, it's it's a slightly different edit on the same idea. Ultimately, like a, again, I didn't hate it, but I think it could have been done a little bit better.
0: Yeah, that that would have worked too.
1: Like that, that we're gonna beat them there. We're gonna beat you know Wenwu there by, I think three days. He was like, oh, the portal opens up in three days, and you know Morris, this you know pigeon butt creature.
0: <laughs> oh, I I, I, I could
1: early.
0: be I could be wrong on this. But I believe the, uh, I believe, because obviously everything, when, when we first go to uh, Te Lo um, and we, we go through and they have all these beautiful mythological Chinese creatures, some of which I recognize, like obviously the Nine-tailed Fox. Everybody who's, who's lived their life and has seen Naruto knows about it, you know, the Nine-tailed Fox and, and that whole thing. Um, some of the other ones. But I believe, I could be wrong on this, I believe that creature is called a Hundun. Like H-U-N-D-U-N. I believe it's called a Hunden. And the only reason I know that, because I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, super cultured or anything, because I'm not. The only reason I know that is because it was a question on... College Humor's dropout show, Um Actually. Uh, they do a oh. segment. Yeah, they do a segment on the Um Actually game show where it's like, draw mythological creatures and they give you a name and, you know, they'll be like, draw a chimera. And you'll be like, ooh, you know, and, you know, like scorpion tail, blah, blah, blah. And then one of them was the hundun. And I was like, what the heck is a hundun? And then <laughs> they, ex- yeah, they explain that it's, yeah, it's like this little Chinese furball monster with no face and wings. When si- it's got six legs. It looks like a, like a, yeah, I don't know. It looks like a, like a. F- Bunny with no face and six legs and wings, and it's like, oh, cool! A Honda and,
1: with a scorpion's tail, there you go. Yeah, it
0: was just like, oh boy, yeah, that that was. Uh, I believe that's what that was called. And and man, were they gonna make merchandising banking on that one? You know. <laughs> like,
1: I will say, as a quick aside, it was uh, fun to watch this movie with my stepdaughter um, because we are fans of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh shows up and does some professional airbending in this movie.
0: Yeah, and she, um, yeah, her second appearance the in the, the we MCU. Literally
1: like, leaned over to each other, more like airbender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to
0: the yeah, uh, we're, we're we're
1: the yeah. Credits, uh, Morris uh, the Honda, uh, Hunden.
0: Yeah, Hunden. Uh, I think it's pronounced H-U-N-D-U-N. I believe is the is how it's spelled.
1: Uh, Morris was voiced by uh, like the animal noises was voiced by Dee
0: Bradley Baker. Who? Does oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> does he do? The, he does the voice of Fry, doesn't he? Like, uh, oh no, that's
1: uh, that's Billy West.
0: Oh, Billy West, yeah. Oh, Dee Bradley Baker did somebody in Futurama Baker though.
1: Famously does animal vocalizations like he did all of them in avatar like momo and appa and stuff like that but also like in everything else
0: (laughs) yeah i he did somebody in futurama because i i i i I think so anyway i might be mixing that up i'll quickly have been
1: like nibbler
0: (laughs) yeah maybe it was i i i feel like he did because i i vaguely remember d bradley baker's name like coming up in the credits for uh for them um i'll try to look that up in a bit but uh Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? Okay, no, I know what I remember him from. He did Klaus in the friggin' American Dad. That's that's where I that's where I remember his name appearing in the credits. Yeah, he he did Klaus in American Dad. Um. Yeah. God. Um. You mentioned Michelle Yeoh. She was excellent in this. Her second appearance in the MCU because she had a a cameo at the end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two when they were when they were portraying the original. Oh yeah, uh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, her her second appearance, but uh what I know her from mostly is she's on the
1: first three seasons now of uh Star Trek Discovery. Oh, playing, cool. Playing a much more sort of uh Melinda May badass uh melee fighter type character. Mm-hmm. Um and so to see her as someone who, you know, isn't trying to be cool all the time and is just a genuinely nice person was kind of different for me.
0: Yeah. She's great. Like she's been in a ton of things. Obviously, like I, obviously, she's you know in in Chinese cinema throughout the you know been in Chinese cinema throughout the year. She's a fucking legend over there. She's a legend over here. Uh,
1: you nope, know, she was in absolutely. one of the.
0: She was great, but she was in one of the worst and most dated Bond movies of all time as the Bond girl uh, in Tomorrow Never Dies. That's right. Uh, yeah. The 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 the. the, the Movie where the bad guy's plan is basically man, the, his his plan amounted to like I'm gonna try and invent Twitter but with newspaper, right? Like, was, <laughs> so bad. Uh, yeah, that, that was really bad. She was in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Obviously, she, she's she's yep. she's a fucking legend. Um,
1: yeah, it Wong. Was, uh, it was uh I didn't know she was in the movie, and when she showed up playing literally Auntie, it was yeah. amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah Benedict Wong was amazing in, in his two appearances in this although it's like <laughs> it, it, I get, like just throw Benedict Wong into a scene in every fucking Marvel movie going forward because it's just like is he like putting together the thunderbolts himself is it going to be thunderbolt one because like like why is he tra- why is he training abomination <laughs> like, what is that? like what is going on it's like a, he's, he's training abomination in this movie in the preview for the next spider-man movie it looks like he's got his bags packed ready to go on vacation or something I'm like i am I guess he's got this side hustle in this fight ring for money because like in freaking Infinity War he couldn't even afford a goddamn tuna melt so it's like, right. like I guess he's got Doctor Strange ain't paying him shit so he's got him like the Mystic Arts don't pay dick apparently. milan has got well, yeah, a little side it, hustle it going like on.
1: This and like, like Within the last like two weeks it's like this movie released with him in it the Spider-Man uh, trailer released with him in it and yeah. the uh, episode of What If had him in it and it's like oh my god so he's just like in uh, like at least six marvel properties now it's like oh okay so he's the new uh tony stark i guess
0: (laughs) yeah wong he's he's benedict wong so awesome uh let's talk about uh ming Zhang, who played Zhai ling the uh the the sister in this one although they didn't call her sister dagger in this uh, movie which i was hoping they'd give that uh reference or or at least that she'd be fighting with daggers at some time but instead she was fighting with that that weird bow dart that that rope dart thing that like who now would saying <laughs> is that what it is that movie that you know you see that in you know in hong kong cinema and a lot of cool kung fu movies and 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 uh tarantino put a version of it in uh kill bill 1 oh that's and, right yes yeah put put a you know a, a you know a juiced up version of it and, yeah with gogo yubari using that one and it just it seems like such an impractical weapon to me like it's just there's so much body movement involved in using this thing the people it who can use like it in one real of life those where
1: like if you can figure out how to do it your opponents will never know what you're doing
0: yeah i suppose <laughs> like, but how it how
1: you just read movements when it comes to that i have no idea
0: <laughs> yeah it seems it just seems so impractical but like it it looks cool and the people who know how to use it in real life it's just like damn that's cool and you know, they always show them like, it's shows them like they were always like breaking flower pot stabbing flower pots and stuff it was it was really it, good it,
1: it always looks super impressive for sure <laughs> and it definitely did in this movie def- as well Shh. um uh and i'll also call out uh when uh, at the beginning of that third act uh, fight scene when uh, it was the like uh when it was forces uh coming into talo and we're gonna sort of fight army on army Mm-hmm. And uh, Shang-Chi was using the quarterstaff, always a big fan of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really good. A much more practical like, weapon. With, like, than... the
1: dragon armor, it's, like, full D&D monk. Like, what's not to enjoy there?
0: <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, she was tremendous in this movie, and I thought, the, it, it, to me, I thought the fight scene that they had in the ring was everything they hoped the Black Widow would Movie would be in yeah, right? three minutes, right? <laughs> like it was, it was and Yeah, and it was so good. It was concise. The fight was so badass. When she kicked him in the face, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right? Like it was just, yeah. It to me, it, it was, it was, it, it was everything that they wanted. It, it was as badass as they wanted the Black Widow to be in that movie, and just didn't pull it off whatsoever for me. And but did for her in the span of about two minutes, like when she walked in there with that like uh, she had like a weird like Scorpion Sub-Zero Mortal Kombat mask and then she just like sheds this fucking thing right before she walks in there and just starts kicking Simulu's ass in this movie and it was just like Damn, that's awesome! And, and, just,
1: yeah, and well, then, obviously, this is going to be his sister. I know how it. Oh doing.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There was there was no need to uh, mince words there. Although, for half a second, like I was thinking, like it'd be cool if uh, if, if they harkened back to X Men One, and like we saw because you know we got a couple of drive bys. Like there was one of those extremists, uh, like the fire guys. I thought were fighting a black widow. Uh, did did I see that properly in in during that walkthrough and in, in some I, of the? I,
1: I was trying to pay more attention to that, but it was difficult to really see yeah. what was happening with.
0: Without some context, it, it seemed like it. Yeah, I was. An yeah, I, I can't. Uh. Yeah, I can't say for certain, but it looked like one of the extremists from Iron Man Three, like the Fire People, was fighting one of the Black Widows. And I'm, but again, I can't say for certain. I thought that's what I caught. Um, I was, you know, the, a small, small part of me that, that couldn't help myself, even though I knew it was going to happen. I was like, boy, wouldn't it be cool if Wolverine was in there just to hearken back to the first cage fighting scene from the the, the X Men movie back in 2000 with the with Hugh Jackman? I was just like, would that have been dope if you know, Hugh Jackman so, was just yeah, there and they were like don't hit like him in the balls
1: right you could almost see like a deleted scene where that's happening or like Emmy, Emily Van Camp's like Sharon Carter is there
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah something right <laughs> because yeah.
1: this is the sort of thing where this movie ends and the second post credit scene is um, that character Shaolin, uh basically taking over the uh, forces of Wenwu um, and now it's like a you know gender equality uh you know ninja training camp but they've got like solar panels and graffiti on the walls and stuff like that um and it sort of completes the trifecta of um yelena bilova uh sharon carter and her as like these you know new sort of girl boss are they on the side of good or bad going forward sort of things that are happening in the mcu right now
0: yeah that's yeah you're absolutely right on that because yeah because she got the end credit stinger where she would they because they they said the thing where like oh my sister's going to take down my dad's operation and then you, you, the the end stinger has her as the new head of the 10 rings but uh, are they good or are they bad they were training up uh you know the ladies and in, in as well as the men in that one and and yeah it just it, it looked really cool it was it was it was fantastic um yeah and the other post credit think- scene where do you get uh your boy ruffalo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did they mess up the timeline in that scene? I because like the one thing I was having trouble—not that I this is not a big deal for me—is this is not a point of contention with me. But I was a tad confused as to where this falls in the timeline because this is clearly post blip. Yeah,
1: but
0: but in that scene. Um, You know, it's it's clearly post blip, and they're setting up like what the ten rings might be, because in certain seems like they, uh, it's a beacon for whatever the next big baddie is going to be. Galactus, maybe. (laughs) this is where I think that the artifact might tie into some eternal stuff. Honestly, yeah, and uh, it. um, But when they were doing the hologram scene, um, Mark Ruffalo was there, and he wasn't Professor Hulk. Right. Um, his arm was still busted up from from using the oh, Infinity snap. Stones, yep. and Carol Danvers was there, uh, at, or, or um, oh my god, I'm forgetting her name right now. Uh, Brie, Larson. Brie Larson, thank you. Uh, Brie Larson was there as Captain Marvel, but she had the long hair again. She did not have the, 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 the short hair with the, the pseudo Mohawk, so I was like, huh. Yeah, I mean, and you can always use nonsense to explain away why that sort of thing happens but I that that was just one of those things that had me where I was just like huh I wonder where this is taking place in the timeline because it's clearly post blip but you know obviously Mark Ruffalo's not Professor Hulk anymore and Carol Danvers has grown her hair back to past her shoulder so I I, I mean or it, I mean it also just might maybe they just messed that up right like who who yeah, knows maybe they maybe <laughs> maybe it was just a whoopsie by the by the department there or whatever again I don't I don't th- I try not to dwell be- too hard on those things right um-
1: What'll be interesting to know is where it sort of lines up with the Eternals, which comes out in November, because apparently Mm -hmm. the Eternals happens at like literally the exact same time as Spider-Man Far From Home, um, which we know to be like eight months, I want to say, post Endgame. Yes, like things are kind of happening at different times now, and it's it's difficult to track from one thing to the next. So you need little clues like this, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, which is why I was I was wondering was that left there on purpose, where to say that this is like way this is taking place way after the blip, sort of a thing, but. Uh... Yeah. Who knows again. I try not to dwell on these things too much because uh i I find you hurt yourself and, and separate your shoulders stretching too far on a lot of these things. Um well, I,
1: I... When you're when you're twenty five movies into something and you know that you know that they don't necessarily happen in order, then it's like, okay, well I just assume that they're gonna explain this like two or three movies from now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um we should talk about before we get out of here, uh the success that this movie is currently having. Um Yeah. Did you go see Suicide Squad? Uh, No, I haven't. Oh, you should have because it's a a decent flick. Um, It's actually more than decent. I really liked it. But it was critically. Like, the critics liked it. It was R, which would hurt it. And there was a direct to video because I think you could, at least uh, not here in Canada, I don't think, but in the States, there was a direct to streaming service because I think you could have got it on like HBO Plus or whatever the HBO streaming service is. Max. Uh, Max, thank you. Um,. But it did not do well box office-wise. Some of that had to do... Obviously, there's a myriad of factors as to why it didn't do well. Some of which were COVID. Some of which were... Um, people didn't like... Like, the first Suicide Squad wasn't good. So, why would I, I cough up for the second one? Um, you know, if you're if you're more casual, it was R. So, that'll hurt it a little bit. But... Uh, um, the brand equity just isn't there with DC like it is with Marvel in the movies right now, this movie obviously to me was going to be an absolute slam dunk based on the fact that I I, I'm, I'm still stunned at the fact that this is in the last 25 ish years or something. Kevin Shang-Chi is the third, like all Asian cast that has movie like third, all Asian cast in a movie For a major release in North America. And before that, it was a few years ago, it was Crazy Rich Asians. Which also you know Awkwafina, did
1: by the way. yeah
0: Aquafina again in that movie yeah and and did Gangbusters and was a pretty decent rom com of a flick like I, even I enjoyed that one and I'm not a big rom, I'm not deep into the rom com world and I thought I thought that was a, a lot of fun movie and before that you got to go back was, like I
1: think I'll have to add
0: it to the list it's Dece. it's Dece. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix so you should give it a check it's a, be a, it's a good date night movie um but before that you had to go back like 25 years to the Joy Luck Club Kevin which again was oh, a wow. Uh box office success like it's it's Uh. it's 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 insane to me that we've taken this long to tap into especially when you think about how a lot of the times when they make these movies are um a lot a lot of the thought process when they make some of these big blockbusters is how do we nail that chinese market overseas how do we appeal to the chinese Chinese and no no white people sitting in front of a boardroom ever you know ever thought well what if we just you know Cast Asian people in the movie, like God, people are stupid, right? Like, and here we are. This movie is already made budget back over the first weekend, while they're while we're still in the throes of a pandemic. Here, um, this is this is going to be just so good. And again, we're two white dudes. I can't speak on on the how well they got it or or, or how good they they did in terms of the tremendous references to Chinese culture and the and uh, especially when they go to ta, uh, Tao Lo and and the, the 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 creatures and stuff that are there but from what I'm reading on Twitter the overwhelming reviews seem to be in like and just Twitter and social media seem to be insanely positive in sayings of how 100% yeah I, fucking good they got it in this because one.
1: I was curious um it, that this is the um the representation that um, you know, this diaspora required in America uh, the same way as uh, Black Panther was for African-Americans. And it's huge for that reason and, and necessary and still an amazing movie even for, you know, us whiteies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I it just... Oh, it was... It's it, this was good. This was a massive success. I can't believe people thought this was uh, this was going to fail. I, I like even if this movie was mediocre, they were going to do Gangbusters just based on which it's not. It's a fucking great film. Aside from you know a little, I would have tweaked the third act a little bit so it wasn't so CGI punchy. Um, but it, like it, this, the, the third act in this movie is slightly bad, whereas the third act in Black Widow is so bad it, it ruins the film this is not a third act ruining thing that they did. It just kind of sucked that they were like, that they had all this chemistry going with all these people. And then it was like, it's going to, we're going to end on these CGI characters who we vaguely mentioned a, you know, protector dragon and the dwell in the darkness are going to be fighting each other at the end. And then it yep. was just like, eh, um, yeah, just a just a damn good movie. Um, where do you have this kind of ranked in your in, in preliminary rankings as far as uh, MCU origin movies?
1: It's difficult because, like as you said, it, at this point it's been like twelve years. It's it's or thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to have a consistent ranking going. But uh, definitely near the top for me, uh, mm-hmm. especially as far as origin stories. Um, I feel like it does a lot. Um, and I'm very excited to see, especially with the post-credits scene, where these characters go next. Um, yeah, just a big fan overall, um, and uh, I, I hope that we can even get some uh, other, uh, maybe not cinematic, but perhaps like a series or a episode or something that explores some of the uh, other characters a bit more. Like, uh, I would like to see, um, you know, uh, Wu represented a little bit more um, because you know I didn't get as much of him in the third act as I wanted and I, I want more that character is amazing
0: that actor is amazing and he stole the show for me um, never should have killed him off biggest mistake they made in this movie
1: yeah this uh, I, I don't know if it's a typical um, genre idea as well I know it is for comics I don't know if it is for like uh, like Chinese kung fu drama necessarily but they definitely fridge the mom Uh <laughs> yeah yeah mm. and uh you know i i hate to see that happen 100 percent. although back, this one
0: this one was a lot better than i i would say it's not peter quill's mom <laughs> yeah the, yeah i i i would say there was a lot more given to this one than i would say have you been watching what if yeah like what if spoilers? The fourth episode, the Doctor Strange episode of What If? Oh, yeah. I, I would say was a bit more egregious in terms of fridging uh, the female character to motivate the male character. That that one was a tad more egregious um, yeah, to to me in 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 terms of the old the old the old fridge. Uh, uh what do you what's what it called the, the old trope <laughs> trope thank you that was the word that escaped. i'm glad you're picking up all these words that i can't remember <laughs> that I, I just can't find in, in my brain space um yeah oh, god shang chi it, it was so good and um i here's the litmus test i have for you and i'll ask you this this is this is the litmus test for me as far as or uh origin movies um what did you, which origin movie did you like better this one or thor this one definitely yeah, uh, I think so too. That's the lit, that's the litmus test for me, though. I think, like, I I I don't have it above. God, that's like a great bar. I, <laughs> was, you was, think was, so? Uh-huh. war is an awful
1: movie, but like
0: it, it just it's definitely
1: a twelve-year-old movie.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I just I I thought it was kind of around the same because the, like there there was a lot of, uh, yeah. I I don't know. I just thought they had a lot of the kind of same. Hurdles to climb in terms of like this is a character who's not well known. It's a little bit confusing for the you know kind of the casual fans, yeah. And they you know and they got to get it across with a a not so well known character. And I thought I thought they did great, but uh, yep. you know I I, but, I don't have it in the same.
1: I is that I, I think that recent MCU stuff is really nailing it a lot more in their portrayal of the of the villain. Mm -hmm. um and uh and it's it's easy to criticize like phase one for that because like the best you had was loki and even he was just like "Ah, i'm a trickster imp and i'm gonna be a better character later on i promise (laughs) Mm -hmm. like and we extol the virtues of the loki series but um like the fact that we've had like uh some really great stuff out of phase 4 so far with i think the exception the notable exception of uh, black widow like we've had uh, great stuff in the series uh WandaVision Falcon the Winter Soldier Loki um, and now uh Shang-Chi um like it it's been great to see that they're giving their villains nuance in a way that makes them relatable like it, like this movie basically is a family drama um there's a no point a a, a Scene where you know Wen Wu twists his mustache and is like, I'm gonna kill my son. <laughs> like, you can tell that he doesn't want to fight him at any point.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that I think is so good about Tony Leung's performance is that I like, if I asked you, do you think that Wen Wu loves his children? What would your answer be?
1: Yeah, I do. Like, I absolutely, he, he's a warlord who's a thousand years old and is set in his ways. Um, we in this house stand a villain whose mm-hmm. motivation is based on grief. Yeah. Because it's so understandable by everyone in the world, you know, sometimes bad stuff happens, and, you know, you're this warlord, and you put it all away because you fell in love. Like, what a what a redemption arc. And then to have that stolen from you, and to fall back into that lifestyle because it's the only thing you know, and the only way you think you can find justice for that. Like, it's totally relatable. You understand it. I mean, we aren't out here being warlords with armies and magic uh, rings that we can use to, you know, punch people 10 feet into the earth. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of it's relatable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, last thing I'll say on this movie is that I am going forward. I am shipping Aquafina and Michael Pena going forward. That's why that's why I'm shipping.
1: Oh my god! I could yeah. if they ever if they ever have a scene together, it's
0: going to be a treat. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm 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 shipping those two. And for, they will
1: because they're both San Francisco true. based. As soon as I saw the absolutely. setting of uh, the, the American scenes were in San Francisco, I'm like, I mm-hmm.
0: wonder if Ant Man's like down the street. <laughs> yeah, I actually lied. Last thing I want to say here's what kind of uh, overall upset me, and this will be the last thing that I say because I I. I... <laughs> about the see C- this is what upset me I think mostly about the CGI fight scene and I figured it out as we were as you were mentioned Loki there the Loki series proved like the way the Loki series ended proved that you don't need big CGI like we don't need big CGI monsters punching each other in the face or big you know CGI fight scenes at the end you can have boots on the ground actors doing their thing in in fight scenes in this universe still even though we're this right. deep and we beat the giant purple guy with the glove and the gems that destroy everything right like it's just right. like you, you you don't need giant cgi fight scenes um that yeah, said where, where it's interesting is that you can still do both but um
1: to sort of have them intermix is where you sometimes run into trouble right because like wandavision was not boots on the ground than no. the Winter Soldier was Loki arguably was but there was a lot of time travel elements and stuff mm-hmm. like that that um, you know take away from it but ultimately as long as you have like good actors por- giving good performances with other good actors that's I think definitely more important to me than having a, uh, a glowing blue portal in your third act which is a big MCU favorite <laughs> yeah uh, so it, it becomes a um, my my take on it is that overall the boots on the ground stories are what I tend to prefer because they focus less on the CGI stuff and more on the characters and the sort of day to day stuff that they have to deal with. Um, so so having those performances with Simi Liu and uh, uh, Tony Le Wang, uh through the first two thirds of this movie, just you know, interacting as people on Earth together. Um, outstanding Uh, lost a little bit for me when they introduced giant CG dragons but you know I understand why they needed to do that for a story that was you know halfway set in a fantasy world so I don't get it but I I, I very
0: much enjoy this movie overall Yeah, at least we, at least we got to see one of the Fear Lords, so it opens up that uh, avenue for Doctor Strange and and everybody else going forward. So,
1: yeah, yeah, much like everything else in Phase Four so far, Doctor Strange will be involved somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, so far that 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 seems to be the uh, the consensus. Uh, so anyway, crossover podcast very much enjoyed Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and are excited for um, to see him in Aquafina going forward uh, crossover podcast available at the crossover podcast.com facebook.com slash crossover podcast and on iTunes please rate and subscribe five stars only we're also on Google Play Spotify and Stitcher and pretty much any podcatcher catcher that uh, you might happen to be using uh, leave us a review on any of those and as always you do not have to listen but please download the crossover podcast that's going to be it for this week we're going to be back next week doing our weekly NFL picks I'll be back on with Bill and Craig uh, breaking down weekly Week one and given picks for week two in the National Football League as football is off and running. Next time you hear us on the other side, I think I'm going to get some people on. We'll probably what if will be over. I think there's only one episode of what if left after a uh, crazy episode that they did this week that I very much enjoyed. Um, but I'm going to get some some people on to to talk about. Uh, the, the what if series and then maybe we can get in a uh a suicide squad pod before uh, it's over but uh, no guarantees there um that is it for this week thank you very much kevin for coming out good to talk to you as always and uh take care everybody and we'll talk to you next time on the crossover podcast